when I was a teenager. Generally, if I wanted to do something foolish or dangerous, I would do it at night, right? <laughs> under the cover of darkness, because people couldn't see what I was doing, and my mom had eyes all over town. So <laughs> if I wanted to do something foolish or, or whatever, yeah, I would do it under the cover of darkness. Now, when the cover of darkness comes, the only thing I want to do is go to sleep, right? <laughs> things have changed. And, and the dangerous and foolish things that I do now are a lot different than before. So for instance, now, and when I do those dangerous things, I want it to be light out so I can see. Like when I want to go, like go on the roof and pretend like I know what I'm doing, fixing things, going up on a ladder. Like I want it to be light out so not only that I can see what I'm doing, but that people will see my lifeless body if I fall. You know, it's, just, <laughs> it's dark, they can't see that. But as Christians, we, we are to walk in the light, um, in God's light, even in the midst of a world shrouded in darkness. Um, and it's who we are. We are to be children of light. It's a part of our identity. It's a part of our new identity. And that's what we've looked at in Ephesians. The book of Ephesians has really talked about how um, through our faith in Christ and, and through Christ's work on the cross, he has given us a new identity that we were uh, dead in our trespasses and sins, but now we were made alive together with Christ. And the book of Ephesians really can be divided into two halves. The first half, chapters one through three, talk about the wonderful blessings and the new identity that accompany salvation through Christ, an identity as as citizens of God's kingdom, members of God's family, and uh, parts of God's uh, temple. And then the final three chapters, and that's what we're in now, and we started that a couple weeks ago, chapters four, five, and six, Paul explains what does this new identity in Christ actually look like when lived out? And remember, we, we talked about how that pivot takes place in chapter four, verse one, that says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling, in a manner worthy of your new identity uh, to which you've been called. And last week we talked about how that Paul starts to use imagery of that old life and new life, old identity, new identity as putting on a new self, putting away those things and those activities that were part of your old identity and taking on the new activities of your new identity and he continues that today and so at the end of the last section it basically Paul says therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God so be imitators of God as beloved children walk in love and then he goes into this next section which he starts to use light and dark imagery as another way to contrast the, the our old identity of darkness and sin in our new identity of life and light so then he goes into verse 3 and that's where we're going to pick it up Ephesians chapter 5 verse 3 says this but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead, let there be thanksgiving. So again, that's one of our emphasis this month is, that, yeah, as children of light, we are supposed to be children of thanksgiving, giving thanks for so many things. And, and again, that's what Paul says, that's a part of our new identity as children of light. 
Verse 5, for you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partners with them. Right, let's stop there again. So, you know, we biblical Christians sometimes, we have a reputation of being obsessed with, with sexual sins, right? And, and if you're watching this for the first time, you're like, oh, there they go again, you know, always focusing on sexual immorality and all that stuff. Now, if you've gone to, you know, Second Baptist for a while, you know that's not the case, right? That, that yes, we talk about this, but only when it comes into the scriptures. We're not obsessed with it. Because the fact is, we all fall short. We all have sins we need to be repenting of, and we don't have to just say, all right, if I have these you know, sexual sins, that's the only thing we're worried about. No, there's all sorts of sins that we daily need to repent of. Even here, what's listed is covetousness. What's covetousness? That's a kind of fancy word. Basically, that's an inordinate desire for something. All right? You want something so much that you're willing to go to any length to get it, and that's why it's also compared to idolatry. Because if you desire something more than God, that thing's your God. That's an idol. And that's listed alongside, for instance, sexual immorality as things we turn from because they don't match our identity as children of light. So, yeah, so if this is the first time tuning in, don't take out. They're always talking about that. Um, but ne nevertheless, we can't give in to the false teaching of our culture that acts as if the Bible doesn't have clear teaching on sexual ethics. Um, and so, yeah, it not only says not just to don't practice sexual immorality, it says, uh, so stay clear of it. So stay totally clear of it. That would include pornography. Because, see, sexual relations are a gift from God. It's God's idea. But for human flourishing, he has set it to be in the boundary of a lifelong marriage between a husband and wife. Anything outside of that in the Bible is considered sexual immorality and contrary to God's will. And since it disobeys God's instructions, that's why the Apostle Paul says, yeah, that's not in line with someone who's following God, who's a children of light. Rather, it's someone who's more uh, in line with a child of disobedience. A son of disobedience. Remember in Ephesians 2.2, 2, that's when the Apostle Paul, he talked about, hey, you were children of, or sons of disobedience. Now you're children of God. He had that contrast. Well, here he returns to it and says, yeah, if, if you're following God, well, then you follow him in every aspect of your life. And so we can't be deceived with empty words and false teaching that somehow, yeah, you can be a, a child of God, but yet walk on a path that rejects his word including his word about sexual ethics, even though our, th those words are a lot different than our culture right now. And yeah, that's not popular to talk about, but my job's not to tickle your ears with things that you want to hear, but to clearly communicate the word of God so that we accept his salvation and then we step into that new identity as forgiven children who walk in accord with his will. And, and here's the thing, it's not about pointing people to people outside uh, the Christian community. So many times people read this and like, yeah, those people in the world, they're so sinful, blah, blah, blah. No, what Paul is doing is he's pointing at people in the church, Christians, and saying, wait, your identity is that of a child of God. So walk like it, live in the light. It's not pointing to non-believers. We expect them to walk according to the prince of this world. 
So when it comes to sexual ethics, really it's about those in the church, not those outside the church. Paul's point is, no, as new people of new identity, of a new family of God, we have, we're different. We don't point at people outside. No, we point at ourselves and say, God, I want to walk in this new identity, which includes every aspect of my life, living it in light of your word, because your word is good and your word is like honey to my lips. And that term walk is important, right? It says walk as children of light. We're not talking about the, of, of slipping into sin, right? Because we all do that. We all need to repent and receive forgiveness daily. In fact, repentance should be a part of our everyday walk. Repentance is a, a part of being a child of light. We shine a light on our sins by confessing them, and then we help one another find victory. Because the church is supposed to be a place of recovery. So Paul's calling out of immoral people is not inheriting the kingdom of God. That refers to repeated actions. It's walking where we choose to continue doing things contrary to God's revealed will, contrary to that identity as a child of God. So here's the way to think of it. Those sins should go against our identity, not be a part of it. See, those, those sins, whatever it is, sexual immorality, pride, whatever sins, covetousness, those, shit, those sins should be going against our identity and not being a part of it. Do you see the difference? Do you see the important difference? And that's why if, if you're listening to this and you, and you hadn't heard about the first three chapters of Ephesians, you must, might misunderstand this message as another one of those, hey, do this, don't do that type of messages. But no, the Apostle Paul unpacks what our new identity is in Christ, those first three chapters of Ephesians, so that we understand, wait, this isn't about me trying harder. This isn't me doing a checklist of do this and don't do that. This is about me walking in the identity that God has given me as a child of life. So I want to follow him because I know that his instructions are good for me it, they help human flourishing and so the norm of our culture is really is to walk in darkness but as children of light we walk in God's revealed will and so let's continue so verse 8 this, now the apostle Paul continues with that contrast for at one time you were darkness but now you are light in the Lord walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Again, we're walking. We, we're children of God, so we want to please the Heavenly Father. We want to please God, so we're, we figure out what's pleasing to Him. That's what I want to walk in, because it's good for me. And, uh, 11, verse 11. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So the primary command of this section, and really this whole passage, is walk as children of light. Walk as children of light because that's your identity. Your identity is now as a child of light, a child of light in the Lord. And we seek to reflect God's light. And, and his light is good and right and true. Now, not by the world's standards, but by God's standards. 
And those things that are often done under the cover of darkness, we're not to participate in those things because we live in light of the Lord. Meaning that we have a consistent identity of integrity. So we don't have a secret shady side. No, all of life is lived in light of the Lord because it's who we are. What that looks like means being a child of light means we're the same people in private as in public. Right? Our lives are in the light. They're visible. Now don't get me wrong. <laughs> that doesn't include like being modest. You can, so I don't want you saying, oh, Pastor Joe said I gotta be the same in public and private and show up with your you know holy t-shirt and pajamas and be like, oh, this is what I am. No, this, that doesn't include like being modest, okay? This doesn't mean oh, everything you do in private, but rather you have a consistent identity of integrity. It doesn't include uh, proper boundaries, right? There's boundaries, different boundaries in family and, and, and all of that. But it just basically means having that, that life in, in, of integrity where you live this, the same in public as in private. If we have an integrated identity of integrity, then we should be who we are no matter where we are. Right? Do, you, do you hear me? If we have an integrated identity of integrity, we should be the same uh, people no matter where we are. We should be who we are no matter where we are. Now, on my bucket list of, of preacher things, you know, Preachers like alliteration, and I'm like, I've never done alliteration with the letter I. So that's why I came up with that, uh, you know, identity, the integrated identity of integrity. So I can check that off my bucket list. All right, now I've got to go to V. All right, well, all right, what's, what am I going to do? Alliteration with the letter V. But that integrated identity of integrity, right, it's because you're a child of light. Now, if you're just playing church, or you're just adding on a little religion, adding on a little bit of Jesus to make you feel better, then you know what? You probably will want to turn the lights on and turn them off to, a, to manage your identity construct. But if you're living out your faith in Christ, because it's an expression of your identity, it's just who you are no matter where you are, then it's, it's not that hard. It's not that much work because you're just being you and you is now a child of God because we live in the light of our identity. So people can see all of our actions. Right? It's also easier to be real and to put things in the light because, because you belong to God. And you know what that means? Even your sins belong before God. So if you're a child of light, you're like, no, I need to be in God's presence because he's the father of lights. And if I have sin, I actually want to put those in the light too because I want him to work on it so that I can continue to walk in integrity of who I am. Don't let shame cover your sin in more darkness. Put it in the light. See, we need to create a culture of confession. Where, because as a church, we understand that a church is a place for us to help one another walk in our identities, then we can bring our, our sins and say, you know what, this, this is wrong, but this is something I'm struggling with. And then the church doesn't say, oh, okay, well, here's some shame. 
I'm going to put on you to get you to modify your behavior. Isn't that what often happens? In a church, we're actually real for once, and we say, no, I'm having a struggle with this. And then we go, oh, and people pile shame on you? No, we put it in the light so that as fellow children of light, we say, no, no, let's walk together. Let's help one another walk in the light because that is who we are. We need to get back to who he made us to be. So no, we don't. And so see, that's the thing is so many times people picture these ideas of, of walking and integrity, you know, um, saying no to sexual immorality and covetousness or whatever we say no to as somehow, somehow this behavior checklist. But God is not about modifying our behavior. He's about transforming our hearts. And that's what we need to be about. But to do that, it's not about, you know, covering things up, leaving things in darkness. Because when we leave these things in darkness, do you know who has sway over them? The prince of darkness, right? We don't want him to have those things. We want God, the father of lights, to have this, these areas of darkness in our hearts so he can... Because when he enters, that darkness is, is overcome by light. Now again, this doesn't mean we should list everyone's sin in the in the uh, newsletter, right? It's just not that long enough. We want to keep it down. Um, but it does mean that you should have, you should have an accountability partner, a, a trusted person where you can put things into the light, not for judgment, but for healing, right? And then, after there's victory, then you can maybe open up to a larger group and, and talk about what God's done in your life. So for an example that, a few months ago, I had some real hatred starting to well up inside me from a person who had hurt a, a close family member. And, uh, and so I called my good friend and I confessed that. I said, you know, you know I don't know what's going on. There was a couple things that sort of triggered me and I'm like, I, I'm really having this hatred build up in my heart. And, and I put it in the light. We listened, and we prayed about that. Because, I, I put it in the light because that's not my identity. My identity is not to, to be a person of hatred, but to be a person of love. And in order to, to claim that identity, in order to walk with that identity, I needed to put that in the light. And so as we prayed about it and talked about it, guess what? The Father of Lights came and dispelled all that darkness. But what if I had just kept it in darkness and said, oh, wait, wait, I'm, I'm a pastor, so I'm not supposed to be hating anyone. Well, of course, I'm not supposed to, but you can't help how you feel, but you want to say, am I walking in my identity and in integrity? And if not, that's when you bring it to the light and, again, find that healing. Amen. This light of Christ, you know, in, sec in, secret, in secret, darkness grows. But the light of Christ awakens us. And that's why this next section talks about how we've been woken up from our slumber. Right? So in the dark, you sleep and do all sorts of things. But you also, you, but in Christ, we've been woken up from our slumber. He's shining in us and through us. And we seek to continue on that path. So verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, 
singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So a couple things going on here. You know, one, in, again, in darkness, right, you, you often get loaded drunk. <laughs> but he says, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. He's just going on these things. Like, what do we do when it's dark out? Well, we also get loaded drunk, right, uh, and then do all sorts of other foolish things. But, but in the light, you get filled with the Spirit. You see, you know, they say it's 5 o'clock somewhere. Well, that's because it's getting dark somewhere. But, you see, instead of escaping, right, Instead of escaping your life in, uh, in drunkenness or, or other things, no, we've awakened to who we really are. So we don't want to escape life. We want to step into the life that God has given us. And so we're filled with the Spirit. Instead of stepping into escapism, and again, there's more than things we can es use, you know, escape from. Just We can use excuse me, more things than just alcohol to escape from life. There's all sorts of things, but again, if we're filled with God's Spirit, that's when we want to step into the life and the identity that God has for us. And when we are filled with the Spirit, the Spirit of God changes our hearts. There's no, no way about that. And so instead of wasting our time, what does it say here? We make the most of our time. We make the most of our time. It makes sense because, you know, we get things when it's we get things done when it's lights out, right? With the time change, it's going to get dark early, and so now we'll probably rush home. I know I am. Like, All right, I need to get some things done while it's light out. Well, that's the, the same kind of thing here. Is that we are children of light. We've stepped into that light, and while we are in the light, there's things for us to do. And when you feel you have something meaningful to do, you redeem the time. You make the most of the time. And so realize that we live in dark and evil days, so we want to make the use of our time to bring the light of God into the dark corners of our hearts, of our family, of our church, and of our communities. And God shines the light for us to step into that light. And he shines the light through us so that we can walk with a greater meaning and with that new identity as children of light. And that redeeming the time, that has a community aspect here. What does it say here? It says, what does it look like? Joyful singing in your heart. Giving thanks. Uh, mutual submission. Putting others before ourselves and encouraging others to be in the light. Basically, we're brighter together. So it has that, that community aspect that, yes, it's, it's comforting if there's a single flame in the darkness. But you know what's really uh, perspective changing? When there's a whole big light, a whole big spotlight, and that's what we are when we're together. That's why the Apostle Paul says a part of your identity of children of light is to be with a community of light. And when we get together, we sing and, and we give thanksgiving and we help one another step into that identity as children of light. So as you look at and as I look at your walk, your life, is your life one that reflects the light of God and his word? What places in your life have you not put in the light? Are you keeping it in darkness? God is asking you, if you are his child, if you are a child of light, then stop 
putting those things in the darkness. Stop hiding them. Bring them to him and allow him to bring healing and wholeness and light into that situation. Step into your identity. And again, I want to clarify, this isn't a, oh, you know, Pastor Jim talked about not doing this and doing this. If you hear this as a do this, do that sermon, then, then you've really missed the thrust of Ephesians 1, 2, 3, which is we have a new identity as children of light, and we simply need to step into that. It's not about trying harder. It's not about what we do. It's really about what Christ has done, and he has secured for us an identity as children of God. So as we um, observe the Lord's Supper today, what are we doing? We, we look at Christ, his work, because it's what has made us into God's children. That's why we observe the Lord's Supper, because when we start to think, okay, it's about me trying harder, it's about uh, stepping away from darkness and the power of my own flesh, no. It's about stepping into the gift of a new identity in Christ. So that's why we observe the Lord's Supper together. And as we observe the Lord's Supper, we do so remembering right, his broken body and his shed blood. So as we do that, there'll be time for prayer. And as you take the bread and cup, do so with thanksgiving. Do so saying, God, and even if you think, if God's bringing into your mind certain things that you have left in darkness, He's brought them to your mind so that as you take the bread and cup, say, Lord, this is your light that destroys the darkness, destroys my sin, and I'm taking this bread and cup as a confession that I want to be who you've made me to be in Christ. So even if there's a sin that you just feel is pushing down upon you right now, Satan wants you to continue to hide it. He wants you to say, no, 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 that's, that's too big. But God wants you to open up and give that to him. Let Confess those things to him as you take the bread and cup. And then rejoice in the forgiveness that he's already given you as a child of God.